Welcome to your mandatory wellness session. I'm your host, Vacation Anoop. Ooh, I cracking know. the cra- beer? It's a seltzer. All right. I, I'm still prudent. It's vacation, but I'm still <laughs> a sensical human being. It's far okay, too early fine. for a beer. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a reasonable time. Um, actually I mean, now it is a reasonable time for a beer <laughs> fair enough yeah i mean well you know i, I know it's 2021 but just 2020 vibes anytime is reasonable for a sure beer. yes it's vacation <laughs> i can drink a beer whatever no one's gonna call me about shit sure but fair enough all right well that's exciting no oh, you, did you want to say your name oh oops. i got i got distracted by the beer <laughs> I, or, sorry I got, I got distracted by the seltzer all right so so he says uh, I'm Samir. I'm your other host. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, now that we're we're past the how's it going, let's just jump yeah. right into yeah, no, it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Our, our order there could have been, I guess, was better. Well, this is tricky because it's been a while since we've recorded. I've completely forgotten how to record. And then you're throwing in this vacation and new stuff. And it's really I, I'm a different man. I've never hosted the podcast before. <laughs> also, you guys can't see Anoop right now, but I, I actually do want to say, and this is this is true, he actually does look different than last time we recorded. He now has a goatee. Oh, yes. This is Darkest Timeline Anoop. Right, exactly. <laughs> Completely different. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. This vacation Anoop. He has facial hair. He has no stress. Right. <laughs> Life's great. Life's great. Yeah, so that's different. Yeah. Uh, How are you doing, Samir? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm overall overall pretty fine. Uh, coming to the end of my uh, P's rotation. I'll be back on research, but this research block, I have to take the step three, which is not... Yeah, so not a research block essentially. Yeah, I, I will. Yeah, I mean, I'll be doing some other stuff in the middle, but I don't know. It's that's gonna definitely take a big. It's gonna have to take like a chunk of time. Like, it's gonna take several weeks. I have to like do world questions and then take this exam, which right. sounds awful. So, not the like highest pressure exam. Like, I, I, I more or less just have to pass it. But even still, I mean, it's like I'm not gonna. I can't. I'm not gonna just blow off the exam. I gotta study and stuff. So, you know, got that. Got a couple things in the behind the scenes. I gotta take care of and do and. Bunch of random stuff. So, you know, there are life things. Super exciting. Well, we're recording for the first time in like six weeks now or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's been a while. Yes. Any updates from the last time we recorded? I started watching WandaVision. Haven't finished it. I'm like six or seven episodes in, but uh, that's quite that's interesting so far. It's good. Like, I, I'm enjoying it. I, I really enjoy like all the sitcom references it's it's i i think i mean they're it's very well done like that stuff in particular is like they have somebody or several people who are have a very good eye for detail mm-hmm. and really the subtle stuff is really enjoyable especially as someone who like you know grew up watching stuff on like nick at night and so like i like seen i've seen these sitcoms and like these very like in these various times 50s 60s 70s 90s all that kind of stuff so that's been interesting i i think i have several more episodes to go but yeah pretty good so far still playing some chess no, no, no huge changes for me. How about you? Uh, life's fantastic, man. I'm on vacation. I don't have to think about the hospital for several minutes. It's going to be great. It's halfway so, through some it Some right would even say quite a few minutes. Quite a few minutes. Upwards of five or six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've silenced all my group chats. I've silenced nice. Microsoft Teams. I don't have to engage with the hospital at all. It's fantastic. Even even your friend group chats, you're like, "Fuck you guys." Um, yeah, is... yeah it's, they they know where I am. I'm yeah, at a commission, yeah. right? So it's nice to have a little bit of freedom. Yeah, yeah, I was I was on vacation toward the end of February. It was nice. Uh, I was able to go home, saw my parents, saw my sister. Um, yeah, it was it, it, it was a very relaxing week. Like I did not do much. Kind of just like hang out at home, played a couple of board games, just kind of hung out as family. Yeah. All the vacation essentials. Yeah, it was just like a very, yeah, very casual. Okay, Samir, before we run into the risk of doing a fun bit, which is a dangerous game, should we get into our topic for the week because it is semi-serious? Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think we've had a we, we've had some revelry. Or if you'd rather, we can talk about some inane bullshit for another fifteen minutes. I think for I think for this one, I think I think to your point. Although I do enjoy our general inane bullshit. Without a question. Sure, yeah. Arguably the favorite part of the podcast for me personally. Um, right. Although possibly not the favorite part for anyone else. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so this week, one thing we were discussing, and we decided to record this on relatively short notice because I saw a fair amount of discussion about this on Reddit, and I think it's a discussion that's worthwhile to have. Um, this week is match week. And so for those who don't know, that's where fourth-year med students around the country find out whether they matched 
into the specialty of their choice and into the residency of their choice. On Monday of this week, they find out whether they matched at all. And then if they did, then on Friday, they find out where exactly they matched. And it's generally thought of as this very sort of like fun capper to med school. It's exciting time where you sort of find out what's going to happen in the next phase of your life in residency and how that'll kind of define the rest of your career. It can often involve moving places, etc. We have discussed previously that match day in and of itself is a little strange because you basically have a group of people, um, not all of whom are friends, <laughs> like forced to be in like an auditorium. And I guess it's different during COVID, but historically in like an auditorium and uh, everyone runs up and gets their envelopes that contain where they've where they're going to live and, and work for the next you know three to seven years of their life. And they all open them simultaneously and they just have to feel all their emotions publicly, like good or bad. And it's uh, it's a weird vibe for sure. I, I, I matched urology. And so when I was there, I already knew where I was going to go. And so I kind of just observed it totally as a third party. It was really strange. Like I definitely saw a really wide gamut of emotions. So um, exciting, but it can also be kind of weird. Our topic, though, is not about that, which I think I'm sure there's a lot, there'll be a lot of discussion of that. It's about the in-between from Monday to Friday, because as I mentioned, on Monday, people find out if they matched. But if you find out that you didn't match, that kind of opens up this entire other path. And in particular, what used to happen is called was called the scramble, where it's sort of a totally random way of trying to find a residency. And it's now called SOAP, which I believe is the Supplemental Offers and Acceptance Program. Yes. Theoretically, it's better than the scramble, which is completely sort of arbitrary and random. The breakfast lobby demanded that they change the name because it right. was giving yeah. a bad name to scrambles. Right. And now the soap lobby is very displeased because it's giving a truly horrible name to soap. But if you're saying who has more money, the soap lobby or the breakfast lobby, you know it's big breakfast. It's big breakfast. Well, some, yeah. some would argue big soap, you know, because that kind of encompasses body wash as well. You'd think, but it's actually a separate lobby. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll, body wash, I'll, whole different organization. Okay, well, a lot stand, of contention stand, between the two. I, okay, I stand corrected then. Um, yeah, exactly. So um, it's a fairly horrible process. Both of us have been lucky enough to not having not have gone through it, but I know several people who have gone through it, and I've read a lot about what people have gone through um, online, and it feels like it should be better because it is, seems like kind of mildly life-ruining, and that feels like maybe not the way to go about it. Sure, sure. And as with many things this year covid has only made the soap worse mm. because yes. the whole dynamic of interview season has changed uh in particular interview hoarding that is when very strong applicants hold on to a lot of interviews maybe for places that they have no intention of going to is even worse this year than it has been in past years because you can just yeah you can just interview from your home you can just do like two back to back interviews like easily Right, right, right. So it's much easier to do a lot of interviews when people are remote. And also there is a greater perceived scarcity this year uh, mm. because people can apply to more programs more easily. So people have talked themselves into holding on to interviews that they perhaps would not keep normally right and so we have a situation where the soap is probably far greater than it is usually and a lot of medium to low level programs will probably end up with quite a random assortment of applicants right. because they probably gave their interviews to better applicants overall but those applicants probably aren't going to come to those programs which is yeah which, which kind of the, the entire point of the match and the matching algorithm, and as someone who enjoys math and algorithms, I, I will say there are a lot of issues with the match fundamentally in terms of kind of this sort of black box of you put rank lists in and you just suddenly get told where you're going to live. But I think for this large of an undertaking where you have to basically try to optimize where, you know, thousands of people are going to start working, it, I think, is actually, I mean, it, it, it is a mathematically reasonable solution and it is a, you know, and it is applicant optimal it, it makes sense to use it because I think the old system was very much the system of either like exploding offers or just straight up nepotism. And that was worse. Um, and so I, I don't want to say that the entire match is an issue, but obviously if you have this situation, you're actually really not, you, like the algorithm is not going to be really optimal because it's going to basically miss out on both sides. Programs are not going to fill and a lot of applicants are not going to get spots. 
Right. The soap is fundamentally a failure state, not of the person whom it is having to soap, but a failure state of the algorithm. Yeah. It, it is fundamentally saying that we failed to find a stable solution in which everybody had a seat. And that is meaningful insofar as the sort of burden that it has on people's mental health. And I think, at least for me, and obviously we went to the same med school. Oh, we did? I mean, that's what I was told when I agreed to do this podcast. <laughs> oh, right. Yes, that, they, they, they did say I had to go along with that. But this far in, I should tell you, I never went to medical school. <laughs> All right. Well, this, okay, well, this conversation has taken a turn and we will come back to that. But I'll, I'll, I'll keep with what I was talking about first. But we'll, we'll, we'll circle back. We'll definitely circle back. Uh, maybe we'll have a very special episode uh, on, a, on a different time where we explore this further. Right. But it's, I think what is particularly awful about this is that there's a sort of vague discussion of like there's match match week you find a match you match day and i don't think there's a lot of discussion about having to soap at all until you're thrust into this position in this like super traumatic surprising way on monday via an email and there isn't a lot of discussion ahead of time and then after that you're just like scrambling around trying to figure out what the fuck to do as your life is completely turned upside down and i think there's a lot of shame associated with it too for that reason like it's just very much this like scarlet letter thing where it's like it's trying you know like it's like oh like that oh, i had to soap and like i didn't match and there's this really ne- like there's, there's all this stigma associated with it and that just makes it so much worse like it's already so shitty and then there's this feeling i think for people who don't match that it's like it's like intrinsically like shameful and i think a lot of times it's just bad luck and that also sucks. Yes, yes. It is It is a thing that people talk themselves into believing that there is no way that it would happen to them, right? Right. So when you're first, second, third year, you see people not match and you think to yourself, well, that'll never be me or that person fundamentally must have made some sort of mistake to end up where they are. Yeah. But the reality of the situation is that it happens to a lot of people who did not make any sort of meaningful mistake. You know, they applied right. to enough programs, they had a good yeah. enough application, and algorithmically, they were not high enough on any given rank list to match, right? right. And the rank list is fundamentally like, if you're the seat immediately after they fill up their program, it doesn't matter. Like, you could be second place in that particular right, race. Yeah. It doesn't and, matter. And it's, like, super nonlinear, right? Like, so maybe you would have matched at your second choice, but then one of the people who was right ahead of you ended up not matching at their first choice, so then they matched there. And then it's not like, oh, then you'll match at your third choice. Like, because of the way the rank lists are, you could match at your, like, 12th choice or maybe not at all. And it's, it, I mean, there is such a cascading effect, which has a lot of luck involved. If people... If those programs had ranked even very slightly differently, there could be like a total chain reaction in which you end up matching. And it's perceived as a great personal failing yeah. to soap. At least that is what I see from the soap threads on Reddit, which yeah. is one of our main sources for this. It's just sort of the psychological trauma that these people are going through. It's pretty high for what for a thing that was ultimately not really their fault at all. Yeah, and I, I think it's important to mention too, right? Because I, I think for people who are outside the medical field, or if you are in the medical field but you matched like twenty or thirty years ago, I think there's this thought like, oh, well, if you didn't match, it's because like you didn't really you like failed your step or like you failed a bunch of rotations. That's like I'm sure that exists, but like honestly, a lot of what I see is like people who don't have what you'd consider like your classic red flags. Like it's people who, yeah, they did well on stuff, they interviewed a bunch of places, they had, didn't have any like negative feedback, they had good letters of rec, and they just kind of, as they say, fell through the cracks. And I think the bigger issue is that there's like no recourse from it. It's not like, it's not like a normal job. It's like, oh, I didn't get this job. Well, that sucks. That's like a huge bummer. I guess I'll just blow off steam for a night and then kind of get back to the job search. It's not like, it's so, that's part of the problem. Like the system is put so much leverage on this one event matching. And if you don't, then, I mean, everything is thrown into like wild disarray. And I feel like that in and of itself is just like, Inevitably, when you have a, a like a number of total residency spots that are less than the number of applying fourth year medical students, you know, graduating medical students, whether that's, you know, U.S. medical students, international medical students, you know, doctors who are coming from other countries, et cetera, trying to join in. 
you're gonna have people who don't match that's obviously it's like a you know but the fact that if you don't match it can and if you don't match consistently it means it can just mean you're just stuck with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and literally no way of paying it back is a completely insane system after you've literally graduated medical school like you are a doctor and you literally can't use that degree at all is completely insane right right it, the the utility drop off is so high at that yeah. point in time where it's just like you've gone from having what is a, essentially a pretty good asset to literally a useless piece of paper right. right for something that requires quite a bit of training and for ostensibly a degree that is i mean this is a graduate level degree with four years of education behind it yeah. you're telling me there is no utility to these people in the system at all uh and the reality of it is like yeah maybe you have to go to something else non-medical yeah essentially is, I mean, it's, it's like it's completely insane like that that the fact that that exists as the answer to do right i mean because i think beyond the fact that right soaping itself i mean one let's just discuss the actual way it works which is i mean frankly horrible i don't i mean clearly designed by people who have never had to actually go through this but it's like you find out on monday and then you have like a period of like like a few hours maybe like four to eight i'm not exactly sure the exact amount of time to um basically figure out um of the programs that are available available spots if there are any spots in the specialty you actually wanted to go into if there aren't figure out what specialty you do now want to go into which is like completely a life-changing decision which you have to make mm-hmm. in a matter of hours then you have to choose of those um you have like 45 tokens to use on programs so basically you have to choose 45 programs um and then you have to apply to all of them, like individually um, through through the ERAS system. Um, you may have to mo- modify your personal statement slightly in order to basically explain like why you're now, even though everything, all your letters are saying you wanted to do psych and now you want to do internal medicine. Like you have to explain that briefly, just something. And then you have to hope that in those few hours you manage to piece something together that's like reasonable. You haven't made any mistakes. Um, while, by the way, it's not as if, oh, I have a few hours to do this. Okay, I can focus. While you're just absolutely reeling from the trauma, unexpected trauma of not matching. And then for the next, for the rest of the week, you basically have to just be on high alert at all times until it's like nighttime waiting and hoping that uh, programs reach out to interview you. And I mean, it's completely, it's totally insane. Like even a basic change would be tell people they didn't match the Friday before and then they have an entire weekend and then they have to submit it on Monday. I mean, that's would be so easy to do. I don't understand why that would not be the case. It's so crazy. There's so many different solutions that would be better than what we've oh, got, yeah. right? Yeah. The, the limiting it to a week is pretty fucked. And then there's these four, two-hour cycles of, like, interviews, offers, and acceptances, yeah. which is crazy. And I mean, all these it's rounds. A, it's so... Oh. Right. It is essentially a sprint to fill the rest of the spots right and it is a system as you said clearly designed by someone who wanted to solve a problem as fast as possible without acknowledging that like humans are involved humans are involved and that people might have stronger emotions about it and like need a little bit of time to deal with it and all these things are binding too right so like in this moment when you're totally emotionally compromised you're like no no, it's fine i will do internal medicine and not do like orthopedics it's fine so you made a decision while completely emotionally compromised, basically. And then once you do, it's binding. You yes. can't, like, a week later be like, that was not what I wanted to do, really. Right, right. You are you mean, contractually you, obligated. Yeah, you, and if you break that, then it's a match violation. And then you won't be able to match for, like, three years, I think. And it's a huge red flag that you'll probably, I mean, at that point, you probably will never match. Yeah, I mean, it's completely ridiculous. Theoretically, I think the algorithm, the match algorithm, right, it, it's an applicant optimal. The way the algorithm works, you can either be applicant optimal or program optimal. It's designed to be applicant optimal. The way, of course, it works in reality is that programs have a lot of power compared to applicants, right? As always is the case, right? Institutions versus individuals. But for SOAP in particular, I mean, applicants have like no power at all. Right, right. The SOAP is not applicant optimal. And the match is applicant optimal in the like pure algorithmic sense of it. Yeah, like everything. Yeah, everything around it is not applicant optimal. It's essentially so, like, they have to give you the mathematical advantage because there's 18 different things that are, like, working against you. Right. Well, it used to actually not be applicant optimal. Like, I don't know when. I think maybe, like, back in, like, 1990 or whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, originally it wasn't, and they changed it because they're like, okay, well, maybe we should throw them on, like, a crumb. Right, right. A little bit. A little concession. But the whole system is collapsing, and I think this is the biggest striking point for me is that the match has been degrading year over year due to 
human behavior, right? right? People are just applying to more and more programs because of the perceived bias. I mean, you and I both very well know that it's applicant optimal, but I've heard a number of people very confidently explain that it is not applicant optimal and not understand why they're wrong about oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. Like, like the whole, you should rank what your number one is and not, yeah, like that, that stuff, yeah. Right, they don't understand because they can't or you know whatever that's the popular opinion is that it's not applicant optimal which in many ways it's not in the in the set dressing sort of way it's not applicant optimal and so the only response to that is to take the only action you can because fundamentally when you get to the match there's only one thing you can do which is apply to more programs there's no other there's no other middle ground there there's no other like action you can take as an applicant to try and shore up your application by the time you're applying there's things you could have done ahead of time, like more research, this, that, and the other thing. But like, assuming most people have done some amount of that stuff, there's nothing you can really do Like when it comes down to filling out that application to ensure that you will match besides applying to more programs. But applying to more programs, while it ensures that you might match, ensures that somebody else probably will not match. It actually pushes more people into the soap by having strong applicants apply to a lot of programs right but yeah this is a classic sort of like collective versus individual incentives and like i i I can understand right i mean from the individual standpoint it's very much a vicious cycle right you see more people soaping the year above you people who have like good scores and are doing very well and you're like oh my this is terrifying i need to do everything i can to make sure that i match which is very reasonable behavior it's very rational but it makes it worse if everyone who can keeps doing that and obviously the solution isn't like, oh, well, you should personally just try to like not make things as good for yourself. The solution, of course, is you actually put limits into place, right? Like limit the number of places people can interview at, limit the number of interviews that programs can give out for a certain number of spots. And that, therefore, that will probably force them to actually be more choosy about who they interview instead of just like shotgunning to like 200 people for like 10 spots. Yes. Um, five, you know, like something crazy where it's like, I mean, that, I mean, I don't know what the point of that is. You're just wasting people's time and money historically when you had to travel um, and then giving them false hope. Right. And I think that comes up, it comes up a lot in these threads, which is the idea that if you as an applicant lie and say like to a program, you're ranked number one, and then you don't match there when they ranked you in their top few, that can actually be a huge deal because they can like program directors talk and they can actually be like, Oh, this is that thing like straight up lied to us. And that could actually affect you. So you really shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. But program directors can tell you anything. Like there's no repercussions for them at all. Uh, and I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't the program directors, but I mean, this applies to any faculty, really. It's not, it's not, right. it's not like a, I mean, anyone during an interview can tell you anything and there are basically no repercussions unless it's literally something that's like, obviously like harassment. Clearly it's like a repercussion, but like they can say stuff. Well, <laughs> even, even, even harassment, even then, even, even harassment. then, but I mean, I've heard stories. Yeah, no, of yeah. course. And then it's like, well, I don't want to report it because then there's a whole thing, but like, uh, presumably there's at least a mechanism for that. But like, there's what, what mechanism is there for being like, well, this person told me that I was like ranked to match, or like they they're they're looking they're looking forward to seeing me in July. I think I've heard multiple people say that people have told them in interviews, mm-hmm. and then they end up not matching. And it's like, well, what the fuck is that? I mean, you're literally like lying to my face in order to try to entice me to rank you guys higher, so you end up higher on your own rank list. But like, I know it's a hundred percent a lie. The only recourse is the next cycle down. If you just openly say in all of the like Reddit threads and stuff like, Hey, this person lies to you. Right. Which can only really affect again, middle of the road programs. The big name programs will not be affected by their poor behavior. And you can argue, is it really going to affect those middle programs either? Because logically, if you're an applicant, let's say you're applying to like, I don't know, something that's like nothing insane, but like, I think pretty competitive now, like emergency medicine, Mm -hmm. right? Are you really going to be like, oh, I'm just not going to apply to this program because of yeah, this thing? Exactly, really? exactly. Like, are you actually going to? Or maybe you'll just have a little, you won't take everything you hear, you'll take it with a bit of a grain of salt. It's not going to make you not apply. Yeah. How many people pushed Stanford down their list despite the fact that Stanford does not care about the lives of their <laughs> residents? Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't. it's not happening. I'm yeah. telling you, if you want that Stanford spot... It doesn't matter. They could they could Hunger Games style kill one of their residents each year and no one would care. They'd still <laughs> rank them highly. It's honestly a very interesting thought experiment. I feel like obviously in reality that of course would not, but I wonder how far they could go. Maybe like for a, really, for, for a really top program. Like I honestly wonder how far they could go. I, I think pretty damn far. Right? 
Yeah. 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 It's kind of crazy. Because you have certain people who would be thoroughly turned off by that, but medicine is full of pathological people who will ignore all of that stuff to get an inch ahead in right. terms of their their application, right? So these people will continue to rank these programs highly, and the programs fundamentally do not care about the people who are offended about that stuff. You know, they can do whatever they want, right? So it's a devilish sort of system in which the program does not get really punished for it. The only programs that do get punished are the programs that exist in the middle, essentially. Like the programs that maybe wouldn't have soaked in years past are probably soaping this year to get right. their, their seats filled, right? And it's the same with applicants. The applicants who wouldn't have soaked in the past are now soaping. So who the really strong applicants and the really strong programs not affected at all by this, they get who they're going to get. Those people still end up getting matched together. But then everybody in the middle, it's like the middle has become worse, a worse place to be. Yeah, yeah, which right. obviously is the majority of people, right? So so I guess breaking it down, right, I guess what are the fundamental things? I think there's like the, there's the kind of the structural one, which is that the match algorithm and the current incentives in place basically incentivize people to more or less interview forward or certainly interviewed a lot of places, which basically makes the algorithm like not work very well, leading to more people soaping. There's the fact that not matching has so much shame uh, and stigma associated with it that people aren't even like willing to entertain the thought they might not match and therefore it's a people to prepare for it and also when they if you know if you don't match then you like you you don't talk to anybody about it you kind of internalize all that and it can lead to really i mean if you read some of these threads the clear i mean this is like i mean this is a genuine psychological trauma yeah and i, I and you know if you read through dsm-5 criteria of post-traumatic stress disorder i imagine many of the things on there uh, apply to this like i imagine it's the kind of thing that randomly will come back to you even if you end up matching down the road you'll like remember this like horrible week that like felt like it took years off your life like i mean it there's a genuine trauma which is so awful and you have a system that basically is guaranteeing to do that every year to people and then if you don't match you don't soap or should say if you match and you soap, you might not end up in a specialty you really even wanted to do, which is crazy. It just changes the entire trajectory of your career. And I know I don't want to always make this a comparison between like the different ways within medicine, but that's insane, right? You do you go to medical school and you spend all this time and money um, and effort to sort of to become or the, the team leader, become a physician, and you can't even do the thing you want. And then if you are an NP or a PA, you can switch into any field you want basically without anyone stopping you at all and i found it strange that from the md standpoint it's, it's so the other way where it's like it, it's not even that oh we no, not you know there are limited spots in these certain fields it's oh you can't even do a thing you like because even if it's not that competitive because you know the way the system is currently structured and then if you don't match at all then you're like totally screwed i think there are a couple of programs in like missouri or something like that where you can be like an assistant physician where it's like you sort of work with an md but you don't have a residency and you work under like a preceptor basically um, I think that's a reasonable option, at least in the interim, so you can like make money and like also get experience. But in most places, there isn't at all. Like you literally can't work with just like an MD. Sometimes, like maybe like in a pharmaceutical company, you could, but like, you can't work as a clinician, like without an MD or with an MD if you don't have a residency. Right, right. And I think you hit on the two major issues with it, which is I think it's easy to say at this point in sort of the structure of what we're talking about, right? It's easy to say, well, okay, so more people are soaping than ever before, but why does it matter, right? The program spots get filled, and then some amount of people don't get the spots because we know that more people are applying than there are spots. So what are the long-term consequences of this? And one you hit on already is the psychological trauma of more people soaping. So even if those people... You know, they would have matched in a better system. Now they soaped. You have done something to them that will stick with them going forward because there is a perceived slight there. There is a perceived injustice, a perceived failure there that's going to affect them going forward in their careers. And does that contribute to things like physician burnout in the long term? Does that Imposter contribute? Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, right? It's going to have a long-term effect on these people who have soaped because we've built the system in such a way as to say that this algorithmic failure is a personal failure, right? Yeah. 
Okay, so that's the long-term consequence there. Then you have the group of people who are just not doing medicine now. They're out of the system. But we have a physician shortage, right? Like, there is a need for physicians. So So we've trained all these people. Like, as a society, this is a systems failure. Because we've trained these people and we're not utilizing their skills. And it's a problem that physicians should look at in general. Because what we're doing, the longer there's a physician shortage the more uh, alternative provider creep there will be. There are more NPs, more PAs. What happens when a group of people, physicians, cannot satisfy the need, that is the need for healthcare, society says, well, we need to find somebody else to do this. To fill the need, right. Yeah, it's like a a standard market forces, right? Right, right. We are competing out ourselves, essentially. We'll, We'll... force our own extension and any physician who says that'll never happen is way too cocky they're not living in the real world people will accept a potentially substandard not necessarily but potentially substandard alternative that is available right they would rather have a health healthcare provider that they can see than a healthcare provider that they cannot see who is theoretically very skilled (laughs) i can't treat any patients that i can't see right and so we say we hold ourselves to these high standards but as we said at the beginning a lot of these applicants there is nothing wrong with them like they're they're not numerically problematic they work hard they'd probably be fine doctors maybe even great doctors yeah i mean it's like and interesting some of these threads so you know people are talking about their feelings around this and a lot of people have responded being like oh like some of the best residents i've worked with were people who soaps some right. of the best attendings I've worked with have told me that they didn't match initially. Like, it's not, it really is not like a corollary. Or, sorry, it, it really doesn't correlate. The reason I say fine is because I don't think the bar should be great. Yeah. They should be allowed to be okay at their job. Yeah, just like we need, we need okay doctors. <laughs> like, we, we need great doctors, of course. We all, But okay doctors are good too <laughs> like we need <laughs> doctors period yeah to be clear when we're saying okay doctors when you've shifted when you've taken a population and sub-selected sub-selected okay is like still pretty fucking good <laughs> yeah okay is still probably better than most people but that's yeah. you know editorializing but all that is to say this problem which feels like a problem associated with a single event has long-term consequences yeah both in the physicians who have to soap and in society in general, where we're creating a physician's shortage, right? Uh, there's a few different solutions there. I think the the sort of obvious one is just more residency seats. Uh, that has obviously been a bottleneck for some time now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the sheer number of seats that we have in general. Uh, and then I think you brought up a great solution, which is just limiting the number of places people can apply. That's been kind of the one that's been pitched for a while now. And the thing is, it doesn't even have to be that extreme. People are like, oh, well, you can't. I'm like, I'm not saying limit it to like 20 places. You could limit it to like 50 places. And that would probably be a huge improvement. Because if there are like 130 programs, there are a lot of people who will apply to like 75 plus. Like your limit doesn't even have to be that extreme. And you can actually make a very big difference. Right, right. The limit does not have to be that high because the people, the outliers who are applying to, say, 50 plus programs are not applying to 51 programs. They're applying to 100 programs, right? And if we get back into sort of the larger societal picture, it's also just a clear economic bias. Oh, totally, right. Yes, every application and subsequent interview is somewhere in the area of several thousand dollars worth of cost. Oh, yeah, yeah, including in, in, including the interview, right, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We pulled the brakes on that even worse, or rather we cut the brake line on that this year because we removed the economic cost of having to go to the interview, right? Uh, so it's gotten even worse this year. But that price gating essentially means that applicants who come from a disadvantaged background cannot compete yes. at the level of an applicant who can apply to all of these programs. Now, that's a whole different thing, which is like, maybe, you know, we shouldn't be paying as many fees on all of these things. But that actually creates the the, worsens the problem. Or or you could just not have as many extreme fees and you just have a limit. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Because it's not good for the programs either. No, no, it's it's really it's not. 
I mean, I, I will say, having um, spoken to my program director about it, we had a truly extraordinary number of applications this year for urology. And going through them and winnowing it down is like extremely difficult. And it's even harder when you're not 100% sure that everyone who's applying has a genuine interest in the program they're applying to. Because then you're trying to, you're trying to judge. You, you want to interview people who really want to come there. You don't want to just interview somebody who's checked it off in their list of 90 programs. And it's obviously very hard to distinguish. It's basically impossible to distinguish, right? You can use things like all oh, location and stuff, but I think that's kind of a bullshit way of removing people because there are people have lots of reasons to want to go places. I mean, and so, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's really hard. But if, if people have a limited number of applications, you know, like I am one of their 40 places, let's say, you know, and that they, they had to go through and choose, which means maybe I'm not their top few, but I know for a fact that they chose me intentionally, right? I think it makes it easier from a standpoint of going through applications as well. Totally agree with you. So th there's, there has to be some pretty fundamental changes, right? Uh, one of the ones that I actually found pretty interesting, uh, there was an article pitching having a uh, two interview cycles. So essentially there is a match one somewhere in January and then a second match that occurs actually when the match occurs. So there's a second round of interviews after the first match to fill these spots and the first match would be very limited so you could only apply to say 20 programs in the first match and the second match would be unlimited and then you would soap for the rest of the seats that's interesting i i wonder if you're sort of almost just creating two soap rounds then a little bit well there's still only the one soap round it's well, just no, I, I know but i'm thinking does that second match get a little soapy perhaps but because the first match is so heavily limited the supposition is that people will not, it'll cut out that bottom, you know, 20 places that you're just applying to be safe and just yeah. say like, hey, you are applying to the 20 programs. You probably want to go to these programs because they're in your first batch. And so yeah. more likely you're able to select people out into the programs they actually want to go to. And then you have a round of like legitimate interviews where people apply to other programs. I think my one issue with that is if you get you get into a self-selection issue where people will select themselves out of applying to, you know, higher tier programs, as it were. Because like oh, I only have twenty to use, I shouldn't like throw them away on places that I'll like never get interviewed at. And there are lots of people I know who felt that way and ended up matching at those places, you know. And I don't know, I'm not sure. But would the security of a second match make you more likely to apply to those places because you know, hey, I'll apply to these places now. They'll probably be filled, but I'll get a chance to do all the other programs in the second match. Also, people are already making those decisions now. That's true. They're already true. saying, like, there's no point in me applying to this That's place. No, I mean, I, I mean, I agree. People don't do that. I, I wonder, I, I just, it's hard to know if that would, I, I'm not, I feel like the incentives there could be a little tricky because I feel like, because you're not guaranteed there are going to be spots left over in the specialty of choice particularly for smaller specialties right after the first match. And then I wonder if you create a situation where people are sort of self-selecting in the first, which once again, I mean, any application limit does that to an extent, but presumably by, you know, having not too extreme of one, maybe you avoid it either way. Also, I'll at, say yeah. having tricky incentives, not necessarily a bad thing because the problem right now is the incentives are linear. It's just, if you want to make your application, the application cycle stronger, apply to more programs. So by making things, even if it's just meaningless sort of complications, like it's just like we contrived a complication so that this would be harder for you to do, that's actually technically a good thing because we're defraying that sort of application burden over two cycles as opposed to one. So it is kind of a meaningless complication, but it forces people to be a little bit more selective in whatever way they choose to be more selective. But ultimately, our goal is they have to be more selective because people are applying too broadly right now. And programs are, are giving out interviews too broadly. So now yeah. if the applicants have 20 applications, then the programs know we are only getting those 20 applications no matter what. Yeah, I, I, I very much see the... Mm. I, I can definitely see both sides in this. I, I, I do wonder if the kind of situation where you get sort of a couple interviews in that first round, they're not places you're like super jazzed about, but like you like them. 
Ah, but see, that was on you because you had 20 spots. Why did you apply to places you weren't super jazzed about? Well, because I I think maybe maybe you were nervous that there's not going to be anything left at the end once you finish everything. But by definition, there has to be stuff left at the end. There were only 20 interviews. Like people couldn't possibly fill up all the programs on just 20 interviews. Uh, Could they? I don't know. Uh, Maybe actually they could. Yeah, sure they could. I don't know. Yeah, then the system might be a little broken still. You're good point. Yeah. So I don't know. I I, I think it's an interesting idea. I feel like it makes me a little nervous that I I feel like whenever there are these big changes, I get nervous that you like make it worse. Um, And unfortunately, it's not like, oh, we'll just test it in like on this program. Making it worse. It's already getting worse on its own. This is true. So also true. even if, if it gets less worse than it was before, technically right. that's improvement. But if it gets more slope, worse, then, then it's yes, bad. <laughs> the slope is very negative right now. It's true. It's true. Right. So that is the match overall. Things for soap specifically. Things to make that better. I feel like one right off the bat is just more time. Having this happen in a four-day period is completely insane. And frankly, like to the point of being like sadistic, honestly. I, like genuinely. I, I don't... Like, I have to assume this wasn't done intentionally to torture people, but, like, if it had been done that way, bravo. Uh, yes, it kind of reads good, like torture. You've made a very good torture device. Congratulations. Um, also a torture device in which ERAS inevitably goes down the first day is to make everyone's, like, heart rates go even higher, I guess. I don't know. It's a bit strange. I, I don't, I, like, I, I don't understand why even making this over a weekend for when you find out when you have to submit couldn't be done. Like, that isn't even that much more time. And by the way, the match algorithm has already been run. It's not as if they finish running it on like Sunday night and then they tell you on Monday morning. They run it like a couple weeks before and then they check it a bunch of times. So um, they definitely could tell you the Friday before and then give you a full weekend both to process and to, you know, carefully go through all these different places, figure out your plan, figure out if you even want to soap, right? I mean, maybe you think, okay, I didn't match into ortho, let's say, but I want to try again. And so maybe I'll plan to do some research and I'm going to really try to focus my application and really try to get an awesome letter of rec and then reapply next cycle. But when you only have a few hours to decide, maybe you end up choosing something you don't really aren't really that gung ho about. And so I, it feels like that would just solve so many issues, both with the regret standpoint, from a stress standpoint. And I just have no, no, I cannot see any possible reason that isn't done. I, I really don't understand. Yeah, I mean, it's a very simple, quick way to make this period way less stressful. Um, one could argue you could even make it earlier, like the previous Monday, find out, and then you have a full week to submit your stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny how often they, they check the match a lot, at, but there is no recourse if they do make a mistake. So it's one of those things where it's like they check it all this, but... Well, I, I think the idea is they check it a bunch, and then if they find a mistake, they rerun it. But yeah, if they check it and they, they miss a mistake, then it, I mean, does it, I mean they, they, they can't like undo it, right? They just right. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you're just screwed. So yeah, yeah, true. yeah. And there's, there's also no way to know if they made a mistake, right? I mean, it, I don't think it's. I actually don't know. I'm not sure if it's checked by third party like audits. Yeah. Either way, they have yeah. all this time. If it's not, if they absolutely need every minute up until that Monday, right? then just delay giving out the results another week. Like, yeah, right, right. Oh, the other option is you just delay match day another week, right? Like, you can yeah. go on both ends and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. So there's no real reason why it needs to be, like, Monday to Friday, right? No, other than to be like, oh, it's match week. That doesn't need to exist. A match week doesn't need to exist, no. The, the concept of match week, it, different topic, but is weird and does not need to exist, as we said at the top of this episode. Yeah. I'll say another thing as well. I think a point I actually had not considered, but I think is an important one um, mentioned in this thread, which is that, um, or maybe it was in one of the threads that, or one of the um, one of the posts that was basically like, you know, I had so previously, and this is like sort of my guide to like what to do. It talks about how, from a medical school perspective, they are very much incentivized to encourage you to soap because if you get a soap spot then like as in prior to friday you are counted as matched in their match statistics and so then they can say oh we had 100 match rate um instead of like an ID six or whatever that is a weird incentive because you are often very much in communication with your school when this happens but the question of whether maybe it is actually more beneficial for you to not soap and to take a research year or you know what have you makes me wonder 
if, yes. if that's being appropriately kind of um, looked at as well, because I, I feel like the incentives are actually a little bit um uh, right because the school add-ons. the school would prefer if you did not try to match at all if that was ultimately your decision. Right. Like if you, they would rather you just not apply at the beginning of the year. But if you've already made the decision to apply and haven't gotten a spot, it is, again, a failure state, quote unquote, for them to have you not match. Right. And it is difficult when it's your only source of information on this stuff, you yeah. know, that it the person has a, a motivation in and of themselves in the same way that it, the program director is lying to you about spots. I mean, there's no recourse for that. It's obviously a little different and obviously much more specific than some of our other broader topics. But I think it's something that I remember it was there was a lot of discussion around it when we were matching. I know we had discussions about both matching and kind of either if you, if you don't match and the soap process, et cetera. And I think once you're in residency, it's sort of, you know, out of sight, out of mind a little bit. You're like, oh, well, I matched and that. OK, great. I need to like I have to focus on all this new stress I have. And obviously, fundamentally, our podcast is really it's obviously focusing on residency. But I think a point we've made before is that this doesn't just start with residency. It's not as if, oh, I was super well during medical school and then residency started. And now where'd all my wellness go? Like this is clearly a systemic problem throughout like, the entirety of the medical field. Um, and it starts really early. Starts, you can argue, from like a pre-med standpoint. Right, right. It starts early and it doesn't end. Ever, I think right? it's, Yeah. Yeah. It's like the theme. And so I think this is a really important place where, you know, if you care about things like med student or resident suicide rates, and I feel like every year, unfortunately, you hear a story about a med student committing suicide after they didn't match. I believe I saw one last year. If you care about that kind of stuff, then making this system better and more ethical, creating options for people who don't match that don't leave them like destitute with tons of debt, creating um, a system in which there isn't just 120 hours or 96 hours of literally never ending stress, creating a system where there isn't this like massive stigma associated with not matching, um, I think would help all of that. And I don't think some of the changes are that hard to make either. And I feel like people have been talking about them for a while. Like we're clearly not the first people to mention this. And as with many things, like I don't, I, I part of me just like is max. I, I don't understand why some of these changes can't be made because they seem not that complicated to me. Like, yeah, sure, changing the entire match system to have two rounds of matching. Understand that even if it's a, even if that ends up being like a useful idea, I understand why that might not happen because it's obviously really involved. But like making these things more spaced out, like that, that is nothing. That's literally a scheduling change. Like making it so you have like an interview limit, like also not a big deal to things at all. It doesn't change much. Having a, having a serious discussion about soaping in medical school prior to it happening in a way that is like, statistics say some of you will not match. This is important for us to discuss ahead of time. So we have a plan like that should should be in place. And it's just not it's not at all. Yeah, for a lot of institutions. I know our school was actually pretty good about that. They had yeah. like stuff before. Yeah, I think. I think it was reasonable. I think it was reasonable. Right. They essentially had a game plan where it was like, if you do not match, this is what will happen. And yes. like, we have call, this call your dean, come in. Like, there's all this. Yes, there's a, there's a, yes, there's a, yeah. there's a sort of like path to follow. Yeah. Which sure. is if you're at an institution and you know that they do not have that, that is like a, an immediate measurable change you can make to to really have a positive benefit on, you know, it's a smaller group of people, but over the entire medical system it is not a small group of people yeah at your individual institution it may only ever be like a handful of people but that's happening at medical schools all over the country right right and and the long-term impacts of that are huge and there's as you said samir simple things we can do to immediately benefit it obviously long-term reform is needed but we can start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I wonder if any of the people who are actually in power can make these changes ever look at these um, types of threats. I think, I think they should. I think based on going, referencing back to something you said before, you said that the soap system is clearly designed by a person who never had to deal with it. And I think that is so often the case in medicine. Those who seek out leadership positions in medicine are often people who are on the higher end of the spectrum in terms of like their academics, their performance overall, right? And when your leadership positions are filled with people where the bar to get that position is excellence, 
they have a hard time governing for people who do not match that bar, right? It's the same problem with wellness. If your wellness chair is a person who's never struggled with their wellness, they might not know what to do, right? Right. Yeah, if yeah. the person designing your soap system is a person who is never at threat of soaping and does not actively seek out the opinions of people who are soaping because they, much like many other people, have internalized that that person must have done something wrong, right. then the soap system almost takes on a punitive characteristic because it's designed by a person who thinks that it is a failure state, a personal failure state. Right. Yeah. 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 And like you said, seems like a torture device. I I don't think I would necessarily recommend reading the thread because it honestly is um, uh, pretty hard to read. But I will say I think in some ways worth reading to give some insight into what this actually does to people. People who are hardworking medical students who, in the words of one poster, just want to help people and are having all this trauma inflicted on them. Pretty awful. And uh, if you do read it, I think it will make you mad. So if you want to be mad. If you want to be mad. If you want to be mad and sad, I would recommend Feels like a weird place to end. Well, I got nothing lighthearted. Yeah. This is—I mean, I'm vacation a noob. I cracked open this can of seltzer. I did not take a sip for that whole conversation. Right. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, pretty I mean, good. Is it okay? Well, it's cool. It's good. That's 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 a yeah. That can that can be our ending note. Yeah. Soap system, hot dumpster fire, garbage, and hurts people. But that sells her though. Yeah. What is this? Waterloo, sparkling water, peach flavored. Not bad. All right, pretty good. I'm glad we finally got that sponsorship. That was we've been we've, yeah. we've been trying to get that for a while. So yeah. it's nice to finally came through. Well, thank you guys for listening. Our theme song, as always, is "Nothing Slash Anything" by Westy Reflector. You can follow us on social media on Instagram at MWS Podcast. Our website is linked on our social media. Uh, we are on iTunes. We are on Spotify, amongst many other podcasting apps. Thank you guys for listening. See you next week. I